Well, yeah. How's everything uh, going on at home? Everything in Washington, D.C. Is, is very, very weird, but I can't imagine that it's any weirder for what you did last night. Um, oh, that, that was fun. I mean, last night I did a, yeah, a, a comedy show. Okay, okay. so for those... We're recording, by the way, because I have no idea how long I have. It's a two twenty-two on Sunday, March twenty-second. Oh, that's fun. Uh, and yeah, no, that is fun. <laughs> last night, you performed uh, alone uh, for people watching you. I'm assuming in your apartment. Yeah, that was at my that was at my apartment. Um, with uh, I'm I'm just locked up with my wife. And it's a benefit. It was a benefit for whom? Uh, there is a theater in LA called the Lyric Hyperion Theater, and uh, you know they had to close down, so it's just to provide some money for their staff. Mm-hmm. So it's a very nice thing that you did. Uh, I was Todd Glass and a bunch of other people. My favorite comment uh, comment on uh, the announcement post was, uh, "There are no women comics on this. Uh, even now, they can't get booked." That's fun. That is fun. That, that uh, yeah. Well, I I didn't I didn't book it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking. <laughs> So you've experienced this, um, this being the cha- the thing that changes everything forever, uh, in an interesting way, because you were on tour, not like when this broke, but like when the United States of America got real. <laughs> yeah, when when we decided to get real about it in the U.S., is I was I was in uh, Chicago. I was I, I had been in Minneapolis, then like Wisconsin, and then I was in Chicago. I did a show on the. Um, the 11th, and then I think the 12th is when everyone was like, "All right, everything we're we're canceling uh, basketball, we're canceling spring training, we don't have everyone stay in their house, that kind of stuff." Um, and so that 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 was like after basically. So on the tour that I was doing, it was me and uh, Chris Stevens. We do a sketch thing, and then um, our buddy Sam Wiles, who was recording an album, and this was all like a, a little mini tour to lead up to him to record an album. Um, and so there was like four days off basically until we went to Iowa city to record his thing. And I'm just like, Oh shit. You know, like, I mean, it's his album. I could leave. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't need to, <laughs> do I need to be here for his album? It's his, he, he'll, he can do it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, we stuck around. We, we, we went to Iowa city after, after Chicago. Um, everyone was kind of paranoid. Everyone was feeling a little weird. And uh, he recorded it in, like, someone has a recording studio in the middle of nowhere. It's, like, literally in a cornfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and it had, uh, like, you know, I think the room fit 20 or 25 people in it. And that was at the point when everyone's like, don't do gatherings of 500. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're like, okay, this will be fine. And so we're, yeah, in the middle of Iowa with, like, 20 people in a room recording his album. It's really weird. <laughs> The vibe was very strange. So, but yeah, listen to that if you want to hear the weirdest and probably last stand-up record ever recorded. <laughs> I, kn- there's no way to talk about this without sounding incredibly paranoid, but justifiably scared. Maybe rude, maybe flippant. I don't know. Um, but w- one of the things that most every comedian, musician, anyone that does anything in the performing arts does is have the excuse of why there was low turnout uh, it was raining outside it was sunny outside people wanted so throughout the tour was there fewer and fewer people or was it like the hideout was packed and then in iowa city there's like eight people how did the crowd trajectory look uh so we it, it was uh at the beginning we were in uh minneapolis 
And we did, the first show was like in a suburb of Minneapolis at a tiki bar in a strip mall, and no one was there. Uh, cool. I mean, like a, a couple people were there. I don't think they realized there was going to be a show. Uh, <laughs> it was one of those kind of totally, gigs. Totally. Um, yeah. Immediately following that, I think we were in a, like, a, uh, like a comedy club ish. It was like in the basement of a bar. It's called the Comedy Corner Underground in Minneapolis. And that was like jammed. People came out. And, uh, but that was before everyone was like, we had a quarantine. People didn't, weren't thinking like that yet. Um, I think we did another one that was pretty, that was pretty equivalent to that in Wisconsin. And then we did, uh, Chicago. And, um, so we were at the hideout and it was pretty jammed up. There was like, I don't know, maybe 60 people there. And it's fair to and say that, that, the, it, that that's, that's like a, essentially a homecoming shown for you because it's you and Chris and you yeah. are from, you're not from Chicago, but you started in Chicago sort of. And so all those people want to see you. You're there, what, like twice a year? Yeah, maybe, you know, um, yeah, probably it's maybe, maybe once or twice a year. And so people came out and that was the, that was the day that like, right, like right before I got on stage, someone's like, Tom Hanks got it. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the that's the thing that made it feel like a real thing. Which <laughs> Tom Hanks movie did you instantly think of when you found out Tom Hanks has it? Bachelor Party. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah, that was my number two. What's your number one? Come on, it's Philadelphia. What? Oh yeah, there we go. No, yeah. <laughs> Come on, why can't you be as? Uh, <laughs> Thinking about this like it's a, a joke like me. <laughs> and then instantly sleepless in Seattle because Seattle at the time was like the biggest American city that had it. Yep, there we go. Um, and then... Big, because uh, he's going to make it big. Because he's... <laughs> yeah, Castaway. I was going to... Yeah, what was the, the, the uh, Castaway? That one where he has to quarantine himself. And then Captain Phillips because it, like all those people on the cruise ship... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it, it is like it's a lot like Captain Phillips. <laughs> and then Sully. Yeah, uh, I think we can follow his trajectory career-wise. And there's a movie that matches up to each part of the uh, the global pandemic. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's I think difficult. there's every every step of, uh, of the way. Or you just say Forrest Gump, and that encompasses all of it. That's everything. That yeah. covers every every instance. They're gonna do a yeah. They got to do the Forrest Gump sequel where he gets uh, COVID-19. You know, I actually read the Forrest Gump sequel. It came out like a year after the movie. It, it was just a book? Is it's that a book, deal? yeah. It was a huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge uh, book. It's not good, but I remember being like a 12-year-old reading it. That's so funny. It's like a book for 12-year-olds, I guess. Like a very specific kind of 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look like I was... Even looking back, I'm like, yeah, Forrest Gump is a better movie than Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction's a more important movie, but, like, yeah, Forrest Gump should have won because uh, Sally Field at one point was his love interest, and then, like, four years later, his mom. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's all. (laughs) Did Sally Field win anything for that movie? I think she was nominated, but I don't think she won. Bullshit. Unbelievable. She's she's great. She Her great. and Gary Sinise in that movie, man. That that's a there's some. I don't really remember anything about it because I I've only seen it as a kid, but I remember uh, being those being standout roles. That's all, you know. And Gary Sinise is still milking that to be like a veterans band guy. 
What is he doing? What's the Lieutenant the, Dan deal? Ban is a real thing that exists and has since the movie came out. And also, what's the then? then there's a the Bubba Gump shrimp restaurant. There's a, how did the, that movie turn into reality? Yeah, in multiple ways. <laughs> and Robin Wright ushered in the Me Too era by starring in that movie. The entire movie, she's just beat like she's treated like shit. She's abused. She's sexually harassed, and then she plays first wife to an actual bad human being, Kevin Spacey, and then becomes yeah. the president. So ipso facto. Robin Wright caused the Me Too movement. Robin Wright Penn, I apologize. Okay, I uh, I, I, I don't um, I didn't watch that one, but I like how I, you're I know glossing enough. over my very very bad attempt of tying Robin Wright Penn <laughs> to COVID nineteen. Yeah, just get her, get Robin Wright Penn in there. All right. So you're living the most interesting performer life based on this because usually it's like. It's a sad story of like oh, I had this huge tour planned and then it's over or I'm not doing it. You got to do the whole tour and then like it ended sort of at the perfect time. Oh, it could have ended a few days earlier and that <laughs> would have been the perfect time. <laughs> then you get back that to Los Angeles. Ideal. You're you're not a stand up. You're a stand up. You're you're an actually funny person that could do stand up. Is that fair to say? Um, yeah, I guess so. I don't really do it that often anymore. I, I you know, it, every once in a while. Exactly. It's just not, obviously these days it's not on the agenda. No. So then what happens with this whole COVID-19 thing, and I see your name with Todd Glass and all these other folks doing this like online benefit thing. I feel like you are specifically prepared for this because you did, was it 24 hours or 12 hour, the KISS marathon, the KISS buttathon? Oh, I did, yeah, like I did a solid 12 hour 12 long hours. KISS marathon while I was on like my deathbed sick. So, you've done something like this already. Uh, yeah, kind of. It's a pain in the ass to do. It's, it's really not fun. How, I mean, to do a 12-hour one, that's, oh, sure. that's like the technical element alone is awful. Well, last night was not 12 hours. Yeah, that was just about an hour and a half. <laughs> and I, I only did like 10 minutes, so, <laughs> so it was fun. Was it, like, was it legitimately fun for you to perform for a screen last night? Uh, yes and no. It's weird. I think it, it 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 takes some getting used to because I don't like, I I I never I never like um, the internet as an option for me delivering the things that I want to deliver. It's it's usually not my first choice as, as a delivery method. I don't like looking at my own face while I look at a phone, or like see comments pop up while that while I'm performing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't like any of that stuff. Um, it's distracting. I, I like stand up or you know you know live performance because um, it's you, everyone is just like they're in darkness. You can't see them and you don't want to. That's the way it should. Be. <laughs> that's for me. That's the maybe I'm just a big baby and everyone that's like you know younger people that like grew up on the internet are like you fucking baby. <laughs> <laughs> so but so but that's just I it, it, I can now maybe look at that as something like okay I can overcome. Um, being uncomfortable with having the internet be my outlet now. The internet is and was my outlet still. I mean, this show started uh, in 2008 thanks to the internet. The, without the internet, podcasts don't exist. Without podcasts, the only way to talk and no microphone here, have anybody here is the radio, which is very, very difficult. The barrier of entry is so high. So clearly, I'm all for it. That being said, uh, no one wants to pay for anything on the internet, which I totally get and 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 yeah. understand. So, 
let's talk about the money aspect of this. Last night you were raising money for the workers at the Lyric, which is great. Uh, that's great. Uh, no qualifiers there. Um, but you will most likely face financial hardship in the coming months because of this. Um, is your job currently safe? I, at the moment, have a day job where I would get to work from home, and I, I'm in pretty good shape. Okay. Um, so I, I feel fine about that. So, you know, last night doing that show, um, you know, the guy that was running it was like, hey, give me your Venmo, and I'll send you over, you know, we got some donations for performers and stuff, too. And I'm like, don't send it to the Lyric, because I still have a job. It's fine. I don't need to, you know. I feel extremely lucky that I don't have to worry. It's not a great job, but it's like a, it's a gig that I can... I get a paycheck every week, so I don't have to worry about that right now. now Feels great. Your wife is she okay? I think. <laughs> uh, she cool. Has a That's couple. Moving on. She, yeah, yeah. Um, she has a she has a job that uh, uh, she is, is under contract, and it is uh, due to be renewed next week. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, we are kind of uh, sitting around being like, okay. <laughs> so did your wife know that you were offered some money of the donation, is it, and now is she upset with you? Oh, no. It it literally would have been like, you know, here's uh, like 20 bucks. It was not, it's, You know what I mean? It's like not enough for it to be like, unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that this will now discourage people from becoming comics? No, I feel like it'll do the opposite. That's, you sound worried about that. I, I am. <laughs> I'm quite worried about it. Uh, what in particular? Uh, I think the I think the uh, the need to have entertainment while you're you know in in a quarantine like this, and uh, that'll make people be like, oh, it's it's now's the time. <laughs> you know what? The universe is calling. <laughs> now's my now's my chance to do it and get into it. Yeah, um, so I don't know. I I, I think we'll we'll see. It, it'll be. I, I I don't know if people are so satisfied with having other people do the entertaining for them, or if they're like, this is it. I don't know. Yeah. Are you afraid of any of anything right now? You're in Los Angeles. Uh, California's taking this quite seriously. I'm in Washington D.C. D.C. is taking it quite seriously. The difference is you are in uh, a state that has one voice, and it's a pretty solid voice, and everyone seems to be on the same page. Where D.C. and Maryland and Virginia are saying very similar things, but different enough where there's some sort of anger and uh, making things uncomfortable. And I'm living less than a mile from Maryland, so it's this weird, not the best place to be in. Also, my wife works on the Hill. As of this recording, Rand Paul has coronavirus, so it's like she I works in, that, yeah. in gaggles, which means everyone around Rand Paul has been exposed. It's an uncomfortable place. How are you physically? How are you feeling in terms of fear? Uh, I'm at a, a pretty low level of that. I don't. I'm not too concerned. I uh, I I like who I'm quarantined with. I'm stuck with my wife, and uh, and we get along. That's good. <laughs> like, like all I've been thinking about is like people that hate their roommates or their spouse or their like, you know, like in the middle of a breakup or like we're cheating on somebody. Like that's oh, got to yeah. be the worst. Yeah. Cheaters right now is like I'm so curious what cheaters are doing. You know any that I could call? I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I'm not sure. Everyone keeps that stuff pretty, pretty, you know, pretty quiet. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know who's cheating and what they're. What are they doing now? I'm. I'm so curious. That's I, my biggest curiosity right now. That's a really, really interesting point. I have an eight-month-old, and the the 
doing this without a kid might be more difficult because I've already sort of been living a quarantined life. My I've been on paternity leave since uh, the new year, and the last time I really went out uh, for more than like two hours was on uh, February 29th. I did a 12-hour show. So I banked 12 episodes, and then that ended this week, and it was on the same day you guys were at the hideout where it's like, oh, now the world is completely different from everything I said into a microphone two and a half weeks ago. Everything is different. Yeah. To, uh, oh, completely. Um, any kind of like topical thing you had a bit about uh, irrelevant, it, and it couldn't be more irrelevant. Oh, did, no, no, there's one. Did there, no, stop, play, stop. No, no. <laughs> you know, there's one thing, and I thought of you. I think I might have even texted you this, like, is this funny or is this offensive? I just went with it. Um, tell me what you think now. This, I think this is still relevant, that Austin Powers was the first ever man to teach uh, uh, the American public consent because without before him, everyone assumed that they made you horny, but he was the first to say, do I make you horny? <laughs> yeah, and that's how I learned about it. That's, that's how I learned about uh, you know, sexual autonomy uh, and consent is through Austin Powers. See, I think that holds up pre- and post-virus. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's... Uh, for, for a joke about Austin Powers, it's about as evergreen as it gets. <laughs> I think I said he ushered in the Me Too movement. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it was it was a joint effort with um, with Robin Wright and, and Austin Powers. Oh, I think I might have said it because I think Harvey Weinstein like was, went to jail that week or something. Man, maybe that guy will get it, huh? Yeah, he's got to die in prison, right? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> But he doesn't even—he doesn't need to die in prison because of a virus. He needs to—he's just going to die because he's like a fat piece of shit that all of a sudden doesn't have like the best drugs to keep him alive. Yeah, he's looking—he was—he's been looking pretty, uh, pretty grim recently. I don't think you needed to say recently. You could just <laughs> two fucking decades <laughs> looking the same. Yeah, well, it's—it it feel like it—it it escalated in the last couple months. You though. think? I mean, maybe he's putting on a show with the whole Walker thing and all that, but you know, uh, but he's his his head is looking deflated but large at the same time, and it's just a yeah. Uh, you are the best person to talk to about food because whenever I talk to you about food, I've never felt dumb or like I can't do the thing that you're doing. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that I did because of you is you were talk- talking about jerky, so I did the jerky thing. You, you talked about like a mushroom ketchup type of thing that you made. Uh, is there one recipe now, because your wife is also at home with you, that you want to try that you think would be good over the next two weeks to, to, to experiment with? Um, I'm, I think I'm – I was just thinking about this earlier. I'm going to get um, – I'm going to try doing curries. I'm going I'm to figure that out. It's a good goal. Yeah, I think I'm going to mess around with, with some curries. I think I'm actually We'll see st- how it goes. I'll, I'll update you, but I, I've never tried it before. Thank you. I'd appreciate an update on that. Yeah, absolutely. If I, if I come across a good recipe or something. But I'm going to, yeah, yeah I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do that, and then I'll, I'll, I'll still do some, uh, some, some classics. I'm going to do a lot of stews and soups. I've been delivering, I've delivered some soup to people. I've just made a big old batch and just drive some around town. 